0: All right, Rams fans, we're here. Number one pick in this year's draft. I don't know about you guys, but but I heard that the Rams got that pick from Tennessee. Oh, boy. Almost lost it. Carson Wentz, Jared Goff. Who's it going to be? A quarterback, face of the franchise, New City. I I can't explain it. I mean, I love the position that we're in right now. Did we give up too much? Yeah, we'll find out in a couple years, right? We can't grade a draft. the draft just happened. We have to wait and see what players come out of that draft and find out what happens when they actually are still in the league. So, having said that, when Thursday rolls around and you're watching the draft with your family, your friends, co-workers, you're at a bar somewhere, and the audio is up real loud because you're excited, this is your pick, you're getting your guy, and you hear Roger Goodell say with the first pick in the 2016 NFL Draft, the Los Angeles Rams select. Let me say this loud and clear, does that make sense? Anybody out there wants to throw some questions at us? At MSW Sports, it glued everyone's eyes to the television. Sure.
1: You know, I hear waste of money and things like that. I mean, it's not your money, so who cares? Welcome to Making Sense with Mark and Tom. Here are your hosts, Michael Mack and Tom Hillis.
0: Those words will be uttered by the NFL commissioner on April 28th, live in Chicago. For the past 70 years, college prospects have been hand-selected by team officials. Back on February 8th, 1936, the spectacle that we now know as the NFL Draft was first done in a Philadelphia Ritz-Carlton Hotel.
1: Those names, they were put on a blackboard a blackboard. They've come a long way. Now you have guys running with little slips of paper, running up and handing the little slip of paper to somebody else, who hands it to somebody else, who then hands it to Roger Goodell as he walks out onto the stage. Guys in a green room, looking on, waiting, hoping that their name is going to be called.
0: Yeah, with that, you have the NFL draft with Draft day trades, you have different things, throwing stuff off. So everyone has to be on point, and it's amazing that they can do that. I mean, this is the biggest night outside of the game that's being played when you're talking about football. I mean, everyone gets together to watch it. We all put our GM hats on, and we make our best educated guesses on who the team should draft and why.
1: What I think happens is every single team gets together. They get in their quote-unquote war rooms, as they call it. They say, who are we going to take? How are we going to do this? And they spend months analyzing college player after college player, analyzing their own teams, analyzing how far out their own teams have to go, depending on what the salary cap gives, how much money they think they're going to have in the next coming years. It's got to be one of the hardest jobs, I would say, in sports, to be able to say, this is where we're at now. Where are we going to be five years from now? Definitely. Do we have that franchise quarterback? Is it something that we can rely on as saying, okay, we've got our guy in place here. Now we just need to build around him.
0: Or we don't have that guy.
1: We want him. What do we need to do to get him? It's amazing to me what teams are willing to give up. We saw what Washington was willing to give up for RG3. We saw what the Rams were willing to give up this year. And now most recently we saw what the Eagles were willing to give up this year for the second pick in this year's draft. There's talk about the third pick being traded now. It's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Mike, like you said, this is the biggest night outside of the games that the NFL has. It's not only the biggest night for the NFL, it's one of the biggest nights for its fans, for the people involved with the draft, for front offices, for the actual players that are being drafted. It's amazing for the agents. This is probably the biggest night for the agents out of all of them. Right. And and what we want to do is say to ourselves, wait a minute. How does it affect things? How has it gotten this big? And
0: is it only going to get bigger? It certainly can because the NFL draft has become a show. You've got players wearing suits, jewelry, handshakes have now become a thing. Hugs like this is becoming a spectacle that has blossomed outside of football, and everyone gathers to watch it and see what's going to happen next.
1: The NFL draft is not just about sports anymore. The NFL draft has now become reality TV for the NFL, it's become its biggest reality TV show that it has. You've got the games, yes, that's reality TV, but now you've got something that they've created outside of the game. That's not just affected the NFL. It's affected basketball. It's affected hockey. It's even affected baseball. There's more talk about baseball drafts than there ever has been. The NFL has affected other sports around it because of the reality TV that it's brought to the audience that craves reality TV.
0: You know, when I was younger and I kind of got acclimated with the draft, and I saw myself watching football from September to December. And then having a break after the Super Bowl was played. And then the NFL draft started coming. And boom, that was over. And then it was like, okay, August is here. It's time for preseason football. Now, the NFL has become a 365, 24-7 soap opera. They give you something to look at every day. Whether it concerns the Super Bowl, concerns a regular season game, and game outside of the states that are being played and also the NFL Draft. There's also the combine that we now make a big event that didn't used to be this big when it first was introduced. So the NFL has created a reason for you to care about football every month of the year. And they've been very successful in doing so. What I think has happened
1: is that by doing this, the NFL has become the biggest sports conglomerate. In the United States. Yep. Jason Perrone, a a good friend of this show, from Cheesehead.tv, has come on to talk about what the NFL has done to market the NFL Draft, and where it's going from
2: here. The NFL Draft has gotten big because the NFL, if you've noticed, really has realized the marketing engine that it is, the marketing power that it has, so... They've started promoting their bigger events, and it's not just the draft. You see this happening with Super Bowl, the Pro Bowl to an extent, although the Pro Bowl is, has not been successful over the past couple of years. But you know the the Super Bowl now. You have the NFL experience; it's an entire week of activities that are happening surrounding the one game, the Super Bowl. So the draft is, you know, if by then football fans are starved for anything football related. It's been a couple months since the season's ended. We still want day-to-day news on the NFL. ESPN still dedicates a portion of their program to NFL news in the dead of the offseason. So by the time the draft rolls around, fans are ready for it. They're excited. They started moving it to different cities, which is going to create some buzz. It's not always in New York anymore, so we're not just going to see crazy Jets fans. The last couple of years, we've seen crazy Bears fans. It's been in Chicago could move around to some other cities as well. Los Angeles is on the map now, so we could see a draft in LA. I think that's the biggest thing that we're seeing is the popularity continues to grow. It's the most popular sport in the United States by far, and the NFL is maximizing on that opportunity to reach out to those fans and get them excited about the whole process. And with the advent of Twitter and social media, you've got a lot of, well, blogs, kind of like myself, that she said TV and other bloggers who dedicate a lot of time to mock drafts and talking about the draft. I mean, let's be honest, there isn't a whole lot of football content to be discussed between February and the end of April, beginning of May.
1: Mike, I- I'm not going to lie here. I kind of beg to differ on this. With the advent of free agency back in 1993. You've got a ton of things to talk about. Guys that are going to be moving from one team to the next. Which team is trying to build the rest of their team through free agency? We all know you don't build a team through free agency,
0: right? No, yeah. If you want to be successful, you need to go through the draft. Free agency is big money, and you're spending on guys' names more so than production.
1: Look at this here. You've got tons of guys that moved from one team to the next team, but has there really been that big Big name splash that you say, this is going to bring that one team over the top. The most recent one, Josh Norman, just went to the Redskins. I don't think that that's going to get them over the top with that one signing. It it might help them, but for them to spend that kind of money on a guy like that? Five years, $75 million, and now you're hooked in until he's
0: 34, 35 years old? $50 million guaranteed? That's saying a lot. In the draft, it's now become because of the salaries changing in recent years that it's a low-risk, high-reward. And now with the draft becoming that, it's not a crapshoot anymore. It's You can make a calculated risk and not be too much affected by it.
1: And the draft asset has actually dictated what's happened with the salaries. Players were upset at the fact that a guy like Sam Bradford got $50 million just by signing because he was a number one quarterback. And what has a guy like he done in this league?
0: Well, it hasn't accumulated to $50 million worth of production. I can
1: tell you that easily. But I will also say that it's dictated what's been happening with free agents going forward. The draft has shown us that it can move money in these markets. It can move money in the NFL, and free agents have picked up on that. And free agents who have really good agents have picked up on that. And let's look at the Combine. The Combine has become an entity on its own going
0: forward. It's gotten bigger and bigger every year. And you talk about moving pieces in the NFL. Let's not forget about what head coaches. They have their own philosophy. They want to bring in their own guys. They want to build through the draft. And you have those coaches and scouts at the Combine looking at these prospects And making your marks on the board, you say, this event has gotten so big that we need to be here every year if we're going to build our team the right way.
1: And that combine directly affects who gets picked where in each coming draft every single year.
0: Chris Trapasso came on to help talk about what's going on at the NFL Combine.
3: Just with so much more media now and just so many more people not only just interested, but wanting more information. I think it's no surprise that the NFL drafts has kind of grown in popularity the last, I don't know, five to ten years. So I think it's probably right where it should be at this point. Um, I think enough people realize now that the 40-yard dash, at least fans, uh, they get that the 40-yard dash is not the end-all, be-all in terms of how good you're going to be as an NFL player. Obviously, football is such an intricate game of 22 guys on the field that just running in a straight line for 40 yards is not going to really tell or be an indicator if you're going to be good or bad. Um, but I, I do think at certain positions, and actually most positions, the agility drills, which they don't show on TV usually, the three-cone drill and the short shuttle or the 20-yard shuttle, it's called sometimes, I think are really important because... To me, athleticism, or a, a, a big part of, it, of how athletic you are, is how quick you can make cuts and explode in and out of cuts, and when you go back and look, um, certainly this is not the case with every good or great NFL player, but it's the case with most of them, that they're usually guys that relative to their weight and their height, they had really good times in those two drills. I don't... I mean, there's certainly some players that didn't run really fast in the 40, but uh, timed really well in the three-cone drill, really well in the short shuttle. And usually those really good athletes end up being good football players because I think being a a pro football player, is probably up there, probably just behind uh, playing in the NBA in terms of being a game that really tests you athletically.
1: Yeah, and when you look at these athletes, you say yes. Somebody that can run a 40-yard dash, somebody that can do a three-cone drill, somebody that can do a broad jump and bench press. We all look at these statistics. We all look at these measurements, how large someone's hands are. How are these going to affect a football player going forward? That's what every single analyst, that's what every single GM and ownership wants to know. Yet, there are players out there, one that comes to mind immediately, Lackawanna's own Mike Mamula here in Buffalo, New York, drafted seventh overall by the Philadelphia Eagles, who moved up in the draft with Tampa Bay, getting him and a third round and giving up their first round and two seconds. Guess who Tampa Bay picked? Warren Sapp. Mike Mamula was out of the NFL five years later due to injury. He is the workout warrior that everybody talks about when it comes to the combine. And there's always two sides to every single player when they come out in the draft. There's the good and there's the bad. There's very few players that come out and every single person says yes. Bonafide, number one overall pick, bonafide star in the NFL. Very few players. Here's one of them on your hand right now. Here's one analyst's take on a 2011 draft pick who ended up being a two-time... NFL Defensive Player of the Year. He's not explosive at the top of his rush and could stand to use his hands more violently as a rusher. He lacks that overall wow factor Will never become an elite sack artist.
3: This is one of my favorite, probably my favorite combine stats. J.J. Watt had a faster three cone time than Tyler Lockett. J.J. Watt was over 100 pounds heavier than Tyler Lockett at their individual combines. So then you see JJ on the field, how quickly he can bend the edge, uh, his burst into the backfield, just everything he can do.
2: Athletes are changing, so some of these events that athletes used to excel at are are performing better. We're seeing better numbers. We're seeing more guys that are putting up bench reps closer to the 30s. Kids are really getting kind of, i use the term, manufactured to play football once the talent is there and the desire is there they notice it at a young age. So,
1: For some, the combine is everything. They go there, they showcase their talents, and they want to look their best in front of all of the scouts, all of the media. But there are the select few, the ones that are at the top end of the talent pool, mainly the quarterbacks, the guys that don't throw at the combine, the guys that want to showcase themselves in front of all of the media and all of the fans in the NFL. They want to say, here's where I am, where I look my best. But let's not forget the other players that are not involved in the combine, the ones that weren't invited. The Pro Day is the only time they get to showcase their talents to those scouts who say, let me find that gem in the bottom of the seventh round, the bottom of the sixth round, or even an undrafted free agent rookie. That's where they get their chance. So let's not forget about the Pro Days, they're as important sometimes
0: as the combine is. And Tom, you're right. But what about those players who don't get drafted? I mean, they've been sitting in the green room. They've got suits on. They've got their family with them. I mean, that image has been tattooed in our head draft after draft after draft. Look at the way we watch the draft now. We wait for that moment where guys get picked and get selected and are able to hug the commissioner. Some of those players don't get to experience that. The grind is tougher for those players. And with that, it's a chip on their shoulder. I mean, think about this. You have players who are selected in the first round in the NFL draft. Not even half of them pan out to be as great as we thought that they would be. But look at these undrafted free agents that come out and just take the league by storm. I mean, look at the quarterbacks. Kurt Warner, Tony Romo. Even former Patriots Adam Vinatieri and Wes Welker. I mean, you even get Hall of Famers from these these groups. Warren Moon, John Randall. There is talent to be had. Just because you did not get drafted, don't let that discourage you. The path that you take to the NFL may be different from everyone else's. But you do have to work harder, and it's all going to pay off in the end. This is what the NFL draft has been year after year after year. And it's kind of more rewarding seeing players come and take over the league this way more so than players who were drafted because who doesn't
2: like a good comeback story we talk about how things have changed over the years and one thing that still remains constant and i think has become fun about the draft is where the gems are going to come from. Who's going to be that fourth round gem like a Richard Sherman? Sixth, seventh round like Tom Brady. Russell Wilson, the third round pick out of Wisconsin, quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks. Let's not forget about players like Antonio
0: Brown, Richard Dent, Terrell Davis. These are all players who were drafted in the latter rounds. Players who were pivotal to their franchise and also to Super Bowl runs. These players were important of putting together A real big pie they were pieces but they weren't as intricate as early round picks but you still cannot forget about these players
1: yes they had to wait they had to sit there and wait to get drafted in a later round they turned out to be great players but what about the players that had to wait with a camera in their face sitting there minute after minute player after player being called waiting their turn with a camera watching every single movement Multiple quarterbacks in the last couple years have had to do this in the green room, and that was covered extensively.
2: I want to tell young Aaron Rodgers a story that he may not remember because he wasn't very old in 1988. When Thurman Thomas, we had a camera on him at his home, and I guess it would have been in Stillwater because he was Oklahoma State. We had a camera in his apartment, and as the day wore on, and we went from the first to the second round, we saw every item in Thurman's refrigerator. There was a, there was a can of root beer, there was some mustard, I think it was a ham and cheese sandwich. Um, we saw him fall asleep on the couch waiting to be picked and midway through the second round, the Buffalo Bills tabbed him when a lot of people said, well, they'll have an okay career. The rest is history. He's going to be going to the Hall of Fame and he waited a long time for what was the longest day for him turned out to be long days for everybody trying to tackle him for the next 10 or 12 years, so I only say that to Aaron Rodgers as as experience.
0: Commissioner to the podium with the pick for the Miami Dolphins. The last two quarterbacks they've chosen in the first round, Dan Marino and Bob Greasy. Will it be Brady Quinn to follow?
1: With the ninth pick in the 2007 NFL draft, the Miami Dolphins
2: select Ted Ginn, wide receiver, Ohio State.
0: Quinn's lips. That was surprising. You could even hear it from the fans here. The Jet fans love it.
3: Therefore, they believe perhaps the Dolphins have overreached, and Brady
2: Quinn sits.
0: The NFL Green Room has been something of history where we've seen players wait. But then you also look into these athletes' homes. Right in their living room, we can see the reactions of family members, aunts, uncles, cousins, brothers, friends, moms, everyone. The NFL Draft has shown us, even where Chris Berman mentioned Thurman Thomas. Russell Wilson also had to wait. We saw his reaction. We love the zoom in when the tears appear on these players' faces, because it's such an emotional moment. Even look at one Michael Sam, drafted in the seventh round by the then St. Louis Rams the pure emotion of what that moment meant for him. He too had to wait and didn't know if his name would be called. He had trials and tribulations throughout his collegiate and NFL draft career, where he became the first openly gay NFL athlete to get drafted. He soon would hope his dream would come true and his reaction was nothing short sure of priceless.
2: As we told you, this is the moment where Michael Sam got the news that he is going
0: to be a member of the St. Louis Rams.
3: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you.
1: Think about that moment. It finally led up to the one thing the NFL probably never thought it would see, which is an openly gay player being drafted by an NFL team. The back and forth between ownership and GMs and coaches and the NFL itself finally led up to that point. One could even suggest that by drafting Michael Sam, this propelled the move to LA that the Rams owner Les Snead eagerly sought. In this year's draft, They went and selected Jared Goff, number one overall due to a trade. Carson Wentz got selected next to Philadelphia due to a trade. Ezekiel Elliott, a very controversial pick, number four overall to Dallas. Crop-top incident, something that he had had in college that was then banned. Then there's Laramie Tunzel, slated as the number one overall prospect in this year's draft. Many had him number one on their boards. He slid, fell, all the way to the number 13th pick, to Miami. Baltimore had him on their board. They took him off, all because of a video. Baltimore knows all too well what a video can do to a player and to a franchise. Ironically enough, Roger Goodell went on Mike and Mike and said, isn't that what people want? Isn't that what made great draft drama? The NFL knows that this is reality TV. They've tapped into it. They have found something that the American public wants. They see what the American public sees. You want to sit in your couch, become a GM for a day, maybe two days, maybe three, and be able to pick those players. Say, I made that choice. I would have picked that guy. What are they thinking? It's a fantasy football world right now. Millions and millions of people play fantasy football and you draft your own players in that respect That's why the draft is so important to so many people Already we see mock drafts up for next year already. We see guys slated to go number one number two and Already there are going to be people looking at who those gems are in later rounds the NFL has finally found a way To take something that is so mundane and make it into a show a spectacle that we all love to watch Make sure you stay with us for our next episode where we focus on how players retire what they do after retirement and how they handle it because it's not like you and me I can guarantee you that Thanks for listening to Making Sense with Mike and Tom We appreciate it
2: You've been listening to the Making Sense with Mike and Tom podcast on Storyball.org. You can also find them on Twitter at MSWSports. Listen to this and many other podcasts by searching Storyball on SoundCloud, Stitcher and iTunes. Thank you.